0: I am excited to preach today from um, the goodness of God in parenting, and, or parenting and the goodness of God, and I think equally they're both really, really powerful titles, and I just wanna really do that with us this morning. Um, I was gonna tell you, I saw a couple of my mom friends this week uh, outside of in a parking lot on a Thursday evening, And uh, we were sitting there chatting, and my one friend, she did like a drop-the-mic moment, and she's like, hey, you guys, I did it. I have kept humans alive for 18 years. Mm -hmm. And we all cheered for her, because it was just, it's so true. This is something to cheer about. And then we decided to add all the ages together and see how far we have come. Parenthood can look like a lot of different scenarios. In the past year, the amount of social media posts with moms barely holding on, with crazy stories of parenting in the middle of pandemics, uh, with parents barely surviving, feeling overwhelmed, frazzled and just done. And you guys know me, and you know that I have had these moments. As I was thinking about all these things coming up into Mother's Day and going through my memories of the past year, I felt that, you know, we can really all relate to this and it is really good to remind ourselves of how God is good in the middle of parenting. So would you pray with me today? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to the people that I love, the people that I know, and the people that I don't know. So well, Lord God, and those who are listening online, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just meet us in our homes today. Father God, that your hand would be upon us, that you would be speaking to us, would be speaking to our kids even in this time today, Lord God, and that we would really be able to just hear your goodness, your promises, and your truth to us. Mm-hmm. In your name we pray. Amen. The goodness of God in parenting. I was like thinking, my goodness, that feels like a really heavy topic. And I was looking through it, and I was thinking about it. I was like, well, as I go through this today, you're going to hear me mention a couple friends um, So I quickly sent some emails out to some of my friends. I said, can you help me define the goodness of God in parenting, and what does that look like to you? So you'll hear me reference those friends throughout this morning. Does biblical parenthood intimidate you? Does it intrigue you or overwhelm you? One of my friends said, biblical parenting comes with hopes. Real life situations are something that we all deal with every day. We all have many desires and hopes for our kids, that our kids will feel safe to process with us, and that they will pursue Jesus not because of their heritage or their family history, or because their parents go to church, but because they can see the beauty of his worth and his truth. Parenthood was always first and foremost God's idea. We are God's creation and his intentional purpose is relationship with him. God's idea of parenthood looks a lot different than the culture today. Today's parenthood is full of self-help, how-to's, what not to do, what not to say, how to keep your kids close, how to get your kids out. God's parenthood is a little bit different. God's parenthood is active. It's moving and powerful, and there's intention. I wanna read Psalm 139, verses 13 to 15. for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you, and when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth, Through those verses, I want to go through a little bit of of three things that God's parenthood is. There's active purpose in creation. God actively created us purposefully. It was beautiful. There's purpose in every child's life. There's purpose in every one of our lives. God's parenthood is worshipful. God's parenthood is a constant sacrifice of giving of ourselves, our time, and it's much like worship. When we take a snapshot of what parenthood looks like, I am sure that we can all see where it was a giving of ourselves to our children, whether it be laundry till 1030 at night, or lunches every day, or cleaning up after everything every day. But we don't just quit. In fact, in the sacrificial giving of our time and our energy and our love, we find purpose for our families, with our families. Same with worship to the Lord. In the giving of ourselves, it is our choice to follow after Christ, is to follow him and his commands to sacrifice our lives to him and to lay down and surrender ourselves to him. When we were pregnant with our first child, We had a miscarriage at about eight weeks along. It was hard, and it was difficult. And I remember grieving for a long time. We had just known of the baby that morning, actually. We had had some ideas, but we weren't really sure. And that morning, on the way into church, we were telling friends. We were so excited. And that afternoon, as we're sitting at lunch, telling our family something started to happen, and I realized that we may be losing the baby. We rushed to the hospital, I remember crying in the triage room and grieving the loss of this baby. And I remember the nurse coming in and asking Paul if he was the daddy. And it was so incredibly hard. We had been waiting for this baby. And it was very, very difficult. But even in that, I remember holding on to the promises of God. That he was who he said he was. That he was and he is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is my healer. And we had promises of this child. And the Lord promised this child to us. And so there was a little bit of, I need to trust you, God, in this. Because I thought you promised this and now it's gone. And there was a lot of reminding myself of who God was. And in those moments of grief, that is a worship moment, reminding myself of the promises of God. When Samuel was born, he's almost 14, we were so full of joy and thankfulness. We had our friends, Norm and Nikki, come to the hospital to, to visit us with Samuel. And I remember holding the baby out to Norm, holding Samuel out and saying, Norm, would you pray a blessing over Samuel? And I was so privileged to be able to do that with a longtime friend. And then he starts praying and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm agreeing with him and I'm like, yes, Lord, do it, Lord, you know. And then Norm says, we surrender Samuel back to you, Jesus. And I said, hold up now. I was not okay. I was not ready to do that. I just got this kid. He's mine. <laughs> I was not ready and I wasn't sure I could agree with that. I was like, Norm, why did not you just pray? No one said you could pray that. Uh, Ann Voskamp shared a, shared a blog this, morning, this weekend, and uh, something that she, some things that she said really struck me. She said, Parent or child, we are no different. We are all wandering sheep, easily lured, who all need rescue from the shepherd, from the lostness of the lesser loves into the embrace of his greatest love, love himself. And when a mother stops seeing herself as the shepherd who needs to be good enough to get her child safely home, which that's what I was doing, but instead sees her and her child both in need of the good shepherd, this is how she always stays safe in the home of God. And we don't have to worry about carrying our kids because that is what God does when we surrender our kids and that is an act of worship. She says, you need to carry out your mothering the best you can. But the shepherd carries your babies close to his heart. And he is the one responsible for carrying your babies home. God is ultimately the shepherd of our children. And we have to keep faithfully carrying on because God gently leads those who have young. Because he is leading us on a journey and that journey with our kids who are also on a journey of their own. We need to trust our kids to the Lord and as an act of worship and an act of surrender, that's what makes parenthood, parenting with God worshipful. Parenthood says, with God, it's saying to God, God, if I hang on to these kids, I'm gonna ruin them. <laughs> but if I surrender them back to you and I have to do that time and time again, you already have a plan and a purpose for them. And Psalm 139, verse 16 says that. I'm just going to read that for you. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days are written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. And if I hang on to my kids, I'm I'm not going to be able to give them that because I'm not God. He can give them that because He is God. He has plans for them. I often say, and you may have heard me say it, without Jesus, I'm a bad mom because I need Jesus. And that's what biblical parenthood looks like to me in worship. And biblical parenthood is missional. Parenting with God is, God's purpose is to make him, make much of him to the children that are entrusted to him. Recently, I want to say in the last couple years, we did a parenthood course with uh, Paul David Tripp. And he classified parenthood like this, a lifelong mission of mercy. No parent gives mercy better than the parent who is deeply persuaded of the mercy that he or she needs. I asked, one of my friends um, that I was gonna mention here, she, she said, biblical parenting is inspired by God's love and the word of God, recognizing that we are merely humans, completely dependent on God for absolutely everything. Biblical parenting comes from a foundation of God's grace and mercy. When I am unkind or impatient, when I'm irritable or overly critical, which I can all say that I've been this week, I need God's mercy. When He extends His mercy to me, I'm an extension of His mercy to my kids. Paul David Tripp, he likens parenthood to first responders of mercy. We can all think of first responders, especially in the last year and a half, especially with all the things that we've walked through as a country, as a world, with COVID, we, have th- we can all think of first responders. First responders go to each emergency with courageous desire to rescue. How can we do that with our kids? That is a courageous desire to rescue my kids in the middle of every moment, which feels like a lot. And it can feel really heavy. But I have a promise for you in that. In Proverbs 3, 11 uh, to 13, sorry, 11 to 12, it says, sorry, there it is. Uh, Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. And maybe courageous rescue for our kids looks like discipline, and it can look overwhelming, especially when it's like the 10th time you felt like you've done that today. But it's a way that we actually love our kids. And that can look like rescue for them. I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the the epitome of mom guilt or dad guilt. It's easy to see our failures. Am I really fit to be a mother? Did you not just see me lose it right there? I just want to go behind a locked door. I can feel all the plates spinning and now they're crashing to the floor. All of these things, you guys, I have personally felt. But you know, God is a God of life. The guilt that we easily feel is an attack of the enemy. Satan hates families, and he hates that we depend on God and the gospel. Satan's plan is not to make us undo motherhood, but to stop our dependence on God and the gospel to help us in motherhood. Satan's desire is to have Moms drinking wine at 2 o'clock in the afternoon because they can't make it through the day. That is not God's desire. How in the midst of all of our failures are we going to see God continue to go? We're going to depend on God and we're going to walk through that. Anne Voskamp said, motherhood is never about training your children to be good so that they'll never fall. It's about letting them fall See you fall in love with God every day. Parents, and especially the parent, the primary care parent, can feel very lonely. Not only is it the pressure all around us to raise these kids well, but it's to keep a clean house and to eat healthy foods and to get them into sports and keep them busy and keep them at home and make sure everyone's happy and doing well in school. And did they read today? Is the homework done? Did you do your piano? I was recently. Listening to how, I feel that that is is how it feels sometimes, right? Like there's all these responsibilities, there's all these things we need to get done, and we can feel like our own little island in our houses trying to make everything work. This spring I was listening to a sermon from a lady named Jo Saxton, and she was sharing about leadership and relationships that leaders need to have, and I thought, this is so true also for families, for parents. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12, we read, two are better than one, "'because they have a good reward for their efforts. "'For if either fail, falls, his companion can lift him up. "'Also if two lie down together, they can keep warm. "'But how can one person alone keep warm? "'And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist them, "'and a cord of three is not easily broken.'" We have probably heard these verses in relation to marriage at a wedding. (laughs) But when you read the verses in context, you see they actually refer to living in community. As a whole, it is often said for those that are called into ministry that you're actually going to be a pretty lonely person because you're going into ministry. And actually, friends in ministry told me that when we came into ministry, but that is not God's plan. Equally so, you can feel very alone, when you're parenting your kids. You don't really want to admit that something's not great, because then it makes you not look so great. Or maybe it's just really hard to be that real. Mm -hmm. It's very easy. Um, I realize that I'm not just talking to, to parents with a spouse. You guys, I realize that there are single parents and divorced parents and parents who've lost a spouse. And I realize that about our lives. When God created the idea of family, he created the roles in parenthood. He created us to walk through those roles together, but also in community. Do you think he really designed these roles for people to be lonely and without without hope, without help, without miserable, without joy? Is that how God is? God is not those things. God is not lacking joy. He created these roles to be relational with those around us who care for us and and walk with us, for struggles to be shared with others without fear of condemnation and without fear of judgment. One year, um, I was a part of a mom's group uh, for many years in Winnipeg, and it was a bad day. I can't even remember to tell you what happened that day but I remember trudging up those stairs and I was late. Again, I had my kids with me and I was upset. And I walked in the room and I didn't say a word and I just started to cry. And I stood there looking at all my close friends and their kids, knowing I had interrupted the Bible study and I'm just crying. And the first thing they did was they all stood up, they surrounded me and they prayed for me because that's what parenthood is. Walking in community with people because if I didn't have those ladies that day, it would not have gone any it would not have gone well. It probably would have gone very 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 badly throughout the rest of the day and who knows throughout the rest of that week. Parenthood is about community. And that's what God's idea of parenthood is. So without the intimacy and deep relationship with God and and the community of others, we are on the struggle bus with no hope of the journey ever ending. And I think that's very, very true. So how in all of this do we see the goodness of God? I want to take a second to recognize that we're not all parents. And I know that those listening are not all parents of young kids. Maybe your parents are teenagers. Maybe you're a young adult waiting for when it's going to be your family or maybe your kids are all grown up. I want to recognize you today because you know what? You guys can also see the goodness of God. And this is not just for parents. It is for all of us to remember the goodness of God and to cement it into our hearts. When I think of the goodness of God, the first thing I think of, guys, is I'm taken back to the mountain. Where Moses is demanding to see the glory of the Lord. In Exodus 33, it talks about this. And Moses is in conversation with God He's desiring that the Lord's presence and favor favor will go with the people. In fact, Moses does not want to leave unless the presence of God goes with him. God, in his infinite wisdom, knows that when Moses says, I want to see your glory, what Moses really needed to see was God's goodness. Moses had already seen all kinds of signs and wonders at this point, but he needed to encounter the goodness of God. After, Moses, after God shows him his goodness, Moses comes down the mountain. And his face was radiant as a result of meeting with the Lord. And Moses actually wears a veil going forward because his face is always radiant. Because he's met with the Lord. Moses is an ordinary person. Moses desired to see the goodness of God. And Moses became a vessel that God used to teach his people his ways. Moses was strengthened after his encounter with the Lord, seeing his goodness. Moses then mirrored the Lord's character to to his people. That sounds a lot like parenting to me. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and God's desire is to show us his character and have us be mirrors of his character to his children and to our children. So how do we see God in his goodness in every day? In the everyday grind of parenthood, how do you see his goodness? Turn with me to Psalms 27. I'm going to be picking verses out of this psalm as we finish here. Psalm 27 speaks of the Lord as our stronghold, our light in the dark places, and our salvation. We do not need to be afraid, overwhelmed, or overtaken by the trials of parenthood. Because I can be confident. Our confidence is not in ourselves, but it is in Him who leads and guides us because we allow Him to. 27 verse 4 says, I have asked one thing from the Lord, and this is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking Him in His temple. Our desire is to be fulfilled when we are close to the Lord and when we spend time in his presence. Verse five says, for he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent, and he will set me high on a rock. And I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. These promises are real, these promises are true and available. But without us knowing the giver of the promise, how can we ever receive it? and without the action of choosing to praise, how are we gonna see him in these moments? In verse eight it says, my heart says this about you, seek his face, and Lord I will seek your face. Our hearts long for a time with the Lord. We have probably all felt this nudging, that thought, that longing, the quieting of our heart the choice to be aware of our heart and our soul longings. And we will see that his goodness comes from time spent with him. Verse nine. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me. Even when everyone else has, you care for me. We see God and his care and his comfort for us in the midst of the lonely and the hard times, in the midst of the times when we think it is better for us to run and hide. God meets us in those times. When everything is blowing up, God meets us in those times. When all you need is a sliver of his goodness, he will show it to you. Verse 11, because of my adversaries, Show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. I think this just talks about the trusting of God. Because there's things all around us that are going to try and distract us and pull us away from Him. There's things that are always going to be... Sometimes it feels, guys, in parenthood, like you're walking through a minefield. And you walk ten steps and a bomb goes up there. And you turn around and another bomb goes over here. And a a dish breaks over here. And wait, supper hasn't been made. And don't you have to get out the door? And oh my goodness, the dog has to go out. There's so many things, you guys. But because of our adversaries, because of those things that that Satan wants to just throw at us so that we don't know where to go and we just want to run and hide, that's when God will be your help. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. And wait for the Lord. And right before that, it says, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Mm-hmm. That is so important. I am certain that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living with our continual surrender and choosing to wait for God. With our continual surrender, We will see the the goodness of God in the land of the living. You'll see the goodness of God in your homes, in your jobs, in your workplace, in your towns, in your families. You will see the goodness of God as you wait and trust in him. Be strong, let your heart be courageous, and wait for the Lord. Depend on God, and we will see him working in all the ways around us. Primarily, our kids will see through us our walk with Jesus. Jesus and following his lead in our lives, they will know of his goodness because of how we speak of it. They will know of his goodness because of how we sing his praises. They will know of his provision because we mention it and we talk about it. They will know of his promises because we will remind them and guide them and at the same time be reminding ourselves. When Paul spoke last week, I thought, Yep, so this is so true and it's so important for us to realize, to remember, and to talk about. Solidify this in our hearts, in our lives. And when we remind our hearts of who he is, it brings us into him, the forefront of our moments and our days. It brings God into those. Paul talked last week about the best way to live out the next 30 days and forever more. And the best way to live this out with our families, you guys, is to talk about it. As I close today, I just want to read Deuteronomy 6 chapter, chapter 6 verses 4 to 7. And Paul doesn't know this, but well, he knows parts of this, but I paint in my Bible And I love to paint my Bible and and to remind myself of the promises and the word of God with art. And about a couple years ago, I wrote in Deuteronomy 6, I wrote, hear, O Martins, because it's for my family. Hear, O landmark families. Hear, O fill your family in. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind, with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you lie down and when you get up. I'm so thankful for those words. I'm so thankful that God knew that I was going to need that reminder. That God knew that I, when I sit down, I'm going to need the reminder that I'm going to love the Lord your God with all my heart and my mind and my strength. That I'm going to surrender my kids to you every day, God. That when something goes wrong, I'm going to s- stop and surrender my kids to you again. And I'm going to continue to do that. And I'm going to teach my kids the promises of you because that's what my kids are gonna remember. They're not always gonna remember the dates I took them on or the presents I bought them or the things that we did all the time. They're gonna remember who I was and who I depended on. And I want them to know that because I want my kids to come out of this knowing the goodness of God. I'm just so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that the Lord knew that. He He knew me before I was made. He knew that I was going to need these reminders. And you know what? God knows you. God knows you need the reminder that he is good. God knows that you need to remind yourself of his promises. Say the names of the Lord. Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider. You know the need I have right now. Jehovah Rapha, you are my healer, and I'm trusting you. God knows God has promises and he wants us to remember his promises. He wants us to remind our hearts and our minds of these promises and to trust him again and again. And I promise you that as you depend on the Lord, you will see the goodness of God. You'll see the goodness of God in your kids. You'll see the goodness of God in your families. You'll see the goodness of God in your workplaces and in your homes as we depend on him. I want to pray for you today. Lord Jesus, parenthood is your design. Parenthood can feel so overwhelming, and it can feel so... Uh, I get, we can easily feel defeated in it, Lord Jesus, but we give it to you. Mm-hmm. We give it back to you, Father. We give our kids to you. Yeah. Lord, we surrender them back to you, saying, you, Lord, know... My kids better than I know my kids. You know my family. Lord Jesus, I just, I thank you, Father, that we can continue to surrender to you and we can continue to remind our hearts the promises of you in our minds, Lord Jesus, and we will see your goodness of God, your goodness in our families. I thank you for that, Lord. I bless the mothers today, Lord Jesus, as they go about their day. It may not look all pretty and all put together and it may not always be Instagram worthy, but Lord Jesus, you are with them, and that is the most important thing. Amen. That we can trust in you and we can be in fellowship with you, with our families, Lord God. Yeah. Yeah. In your name we pray. Amen.